Over the next nine weeks, next ten weeks, including today, we're going to be doing a study of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what it would look like for us to live out those nine beautiful characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to kind of launch into that. Um, before we launch into it, though, let me give just a little bit of background to what helped get us to this point where we are this morning as we begin to talk about this initiative Sunday to every day and begin to ask the question, what does it look like for us to live out the fruit of the Spirit every day? It's probably about three, three and a half years ago that a number of strategic leaders in our church began meeting together on a regular basis and began just asking the question, what would God have for us as a church next? We have a wonderful church history, and we are in a great place as a church family when we began asking that question, but we never want to be the kind of church that kind of looks only at our history and says, wow, wasn't that special back then? We don't ever want to become the kind of church that's kind of like Goonie Birds. You ever heard of a Goonie Bird? A Goonie Bird has these two eyes in the back of their heads, always looking backwards. We don't ever want to be that kind of church that is just looking admirably at our history. We always want to be the kind of church that's asking the question, God, what is it that you have for us next? Is there another hill that you want us to climb together? Is there an issue in our church that we need to address? Is there an opportunity that we are missing? Is there something that you're commanding us to do which we are not doing? And so this group of strategic planning leaders began talking about those things and meeting together, even though we were in a very, very healthy place. And we came together with the mayor of our community and with our elder board and our pastors. And as we continued to process through, we eventually landed on this five-year strategic vision that we call From Here to There. And... It's a series of five initiatives that include some capital improvements that we've begun here, a prayer room and a, a new chapel over on the other side of the building. There'll be a multi-purpose room and a couple, other, a, a couple other items as well, retiring debt. But even more than that, include these five initiatives that would kind of chart our, our course into the future. And the here that we are noting is not bad. From here, again, is good, but we're asking the question to God when we began this a few years ago, what's the better? We always want to ask the question, God, how do you want to make our church better for your honor and for the good of others and for the building up of families? How do you want to make our church even better than where we are right now? What's the there you want to take us to? So I want to take just a moment here, but before we launch our next initiative to just... Um, Remind us where we've been over the past two and a half years uh, since we first launched these five initiatives. The first one that we launched was called From Spiritual Busyness to Spiritual Depth. Who's busy in this room? Like everyone, right? I mean, all of us are busy in this room, and yet, unfortunately, sometimes what the church does, and I am guilty of this, the church comes in and makes you more busy. Have you experienced that? Go ahead, you can admit it. It's true, you know, sometimes even this church has done that in past. And what we decided is we don't want to just come in and make people more busy. We want to help people grow into a greater level of spiritual depth. And the way we decided to do that as we were praying and processing through and really seeking the Lord for a number of months was we did a year-long program and we just walked through the Bible together. We did um, a number of series on prayer 
and staying tuned in to the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us and how can we understand God's story and how it intersects with our story and then we kind of reformulated what our pathway to discipleship our pathway to transformation is we talked about that a little bit last week that we have these four core values truth, gospel, community and mission and they're represented by these four icons and those four core values provide the pathway to discipleship that we provide for our church that if you're consistently doing these three environments you will grow if you are consistently bathing yourself in the truth of the gospel on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings through C20, if you're consistently in a community, a life group or a men's or a women's group, a forge group of some kind, and you're, consistent, you're consistently on mission for our church to the broader community or to children's ministry or youth or men's or wherever you might be serving, one area of mission, one area of community, and one worship service where we get the truth of the gospel and if you just do those three environments on a consistent basis I promise you'll grow in the next year like it's that simple it's really really that simple we don't want to complicate things so we've been moving from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth a part of that is the beautiful prayer room that's being constructed right beyond that exit door and will be open starting this December 24-7 prayer room available to the community and to each of you and then immediately after worship services it'll be great that was the first initiative the next initiative that we started two years ago was called from Kearney to the world and can someone remind me, remind us, what is the place in the world that we decided to develop a strategic long-term international partnership? Colombia, that's right. We decided we'd go to Colombia together. And we would go to Colombia across multiple tiers. Not everyone would go to Colombia, and that's okay. But we could all participate in this mission project together as we go from Kearney to the world. And the way we did that was develop this partnership with Compassion International in which 400 of you are sponsoring kids in Colombia to release kids from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsoring kids one at a time, care for them physically, emotionally, spiritually, let them know they have a family as their friend here in the United States that's praying for them on a consistent basis. And in addition to 400 kids by being sponsored, we've now had a couple mission trips down there in which about 40 of you have gone down to visit your kids and help with projects in Magangay, Colombia and learn from brothers and sisters in Christ there and vice versa. It's been this beautiful a partnership that's developed to this point where we are today where we've developed a, a great relationship with a local pastor and we're now building a church there as part of our from here to there initiative and there's the progress on the church with pastor with pastor benjamin serpa isn't that cool look at it progressing up there so that's a, that's going to be a church and a child development center in just outside of Magangay, Colombia, in a place where about 13,000 people live and there are no gospel teaching churches. How awesome to be a part of building a church where the name of Christ is not yet known and people will come to that child development center throughout the week and they'll get food and academic support and medical support, but then also the gospel on Sunday morning. That's from Carney to the world. A year ago, we started the, the initiative titled From Church Dependent to Equipped to Lead. And what we tried to go after with Church Dependent to Equipped to Lead is this. We, we tried to attack this natural tendency, which is in all of us, which says, what are you going to give me today? Like, I mean, that's in all of us, right? 
would you please just feed me? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, I hear a couple people say yes, a few people nod in their head. That's in me too. Like, I like to just sit down and say, oh, I'm just going to take this in. This will, uh, maybe, maybe better next week. You know, that's in all of us. But it's so interesting what the Bible says about the church. It says that God gave to the church a few people in a few roles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, elders, in these roles to equip the church for the work of the ministry that the body of Christ, that's you, that's me, that's all of us, would be built up for every good work that God would give to us. So God gave to the church me to help you do the ministry. Congratulations. You know? No, I mean, like, the reason for that is because ministry is way too much fun for only 10 people to do it. Right? It's way too much fun for just a handful of us to do it. What he would have is that those who are in positions of leadership in the church would merely be equippers, that the entirety of the church is doing the work of the ministry. And to that end, what we've been trying to do over this past year is equip people to read the Bible for themselves, to study the Bible for all it's worth, equip people to become life group leaders and life group apprentices, equip people to tend to their most important relationships, and so part of the way that we've helped people tend to their most important relationships is by offering three conferences this last year, which is kind of unusual for us to offer three conferences in a year, but we offered a parenting conference in which 175 people came and they said, I want to be a stronger parent for my kids for the glory of Christ. I want to love my kids more for the glory of Christ, and 175 people came to that. And then we did a marriage conference in which 300 people came and they say, I will tend to my own marriage because it's my responsibility. God has given me the, this marriage and I'm not going to wait till it's 11.59 on the dial. I'm going to get an oil change for my marriage right now. I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to get some maintenance on my marriage right now. I'm equipped to lead my most important relationships. Now, just a few weeks ago, so cool, Pablo Dominguez in our bilingual ministry led a third conference, which was a marriage conference just three weeks ago. And you see Pastor Randolph uh, teaching to the bilingual ministry there. And they typically maybe have 60 people in attendance on a Sunday morning over in the bilingual ministry. And for their two-day marriage conference, they had 70 people there. Isn't that incredible? They say, we're going to be equipped to lead in our, yeah, we're going to be equipped to lead in our most important relationships. Now, we want to keep going for that, of course, that God would have us constantly equipped to lead our most important relationships in some area of ministry. A year from now, we're going to focus our attention squarely on from lost in a crowd to known in a community. Because in a room this size, it's pretty easy to get lost from time to time. We want to prevent that through life groups and through forge groups and men's groups. If you don't yet have community here, don't wait a year. You can go out to that life group table and get signed up for a life group that's starting right now. But we'll focus on that a year from now. Today, we're launching a new initiative called From Sunday to Every Day. And I'm so excited to welcome onto the stage right now, Justine Shetter. And Justine is our storehouse director, our director of local community engagement, and she's also been running point along with a great team of people on helping us get to this point of Sunday to Every Day. Would you give Justine a round of applause? <laughs> So, Justine, you and your team um, have been doing so much to, to get us to this point. And, and by the way, thank you for all that you've done 
over these past weeks, really past months, to enable our church to serve with flood relief. Mm, yeah. I mean, you've been doing it with Restore Ministries, but the organizational yep. framework that you and a number of other volunteers have put in place have enabled hundreds of us to be out in our community serving over these past mm. weeks and months. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but would you tell us just a little bit about how the Sunday to Everyday team got to this point that we were launching this initiative today? Yeah, you know, our team started over two years ago just with asking that question of how do we lead into a life on mission? How do we become better neighbors? How do we live with purpose in our workplaces? Or even when we're just running our everyday errands? And when we started that, honestly, we were thinking, okay, this is going to be a culture shift for our, or for our church. This is going to be a change for all of us. But while we were busy laying our plans, God brought that initial flood in March that, of course, affected our whole state. And then yet again, just this past month, that affected our own community. And we got to see God take those tragedies and turn them into an opportunity. So many of you, I was just amazed. So many of you responded, not only initially, but you continued to show up for your friends and your family and your neighbors and strangers alike. You know, Adrian, we got to see this church do exactly what we're talking about today, which is to live our everyday life on mission. So now we get to just build on that. So the church on mission to mm -hmm. neighbors and, in some cases, people we don't know that we just mm -hmm. want to bless in the name of Christ. And we've, to some degree, already been doing that. Yep. You know, when I think about the church going on mission and when I think about uh, different models for how churches organize their ministries— a number of years ago, a friend of mine gave me these illustrations though, that I want to share with you that really go a long way in informing my philosophy of how the church should operate with respect to culture. How do we interact with culture around us? How do we interact with the towns and the cities that God has providentially placed us amongst? We really believe that, that God has providentially placed you providentially placed me here for this time that we would interact in a certain way with our community. It strikes me that across the centuries, some churches have chosen to interact with their communities kind of like a fortress. And the fortress mentality the church has sometimes taken is like a two-four, shut the door, I don't want any more mentality. That the world out there is scary and evil and dangerous and how do I protect myself from it? And the thing that's so amazing is for those of us who are serious about Christ, if we're not careful, sometimes we can get so busy with church activities that we are surrounded all the time in this little bubble with people who believe and live the same way as we do, and then we're not really the salt of the earth or the light of the world, are we? That's the fortress mentality. There's another way that uh, churches oftentimes interacted with the community around it, and that's kind of like a force. And this next illustration shows it well. It's the idea of the church being the hammer and the community around it being the egg. And this sense that the church needs to win back culture for Christ and build a coalition that's usually based on what we are against rather than what we are for and tell people how they've gone awry and guide them to the right way of thinking even if we have to kind of beat them down in the process. But it's an interesting thing, well, whenever you get into a fight, you thought, think of a force, there's always going to be one winner and one loser. one loser. And last time I checked, nobody wants to be the loser, do they? 
And are you that inclined to listen to someone who's just beat you down in your thinking? I, I'm not very inclined to listen to that person. I'm more inclined to dismiss that person. And unfortunately, when the church kind of takes this adversarial relationship with culture, as opposed to getting in the valleys with people right where they're living, that's what ends up happening. Now, fortunately, God has given us, I think, a third option that, again, we see many, many different places in the Scripture, but one of the passages that's really profound for me is 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. I wonder if you would read this out loud from the screen with me. It says this, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Mm. Could you imagine that? Just leave that up on the screen for a moment. Just imagine that. That we are the sweet aroma of Christ going forth with the knowledge of Him everywhere that we go. That we don't interact with people who believe differently than us, mostly as a fortress that retreats, or mostly as a force that shows people what they're doing wrong or what they're believing wrong, but mostly as a, a fragrance. Not as a fortress, not as a force, but mostly as a fragrance that is the sweet aroma of Christ. Wherever we go, that people would take a, a whiff and they say, wow, would you smell that? <laughs> it smells good. Would you smell her? Oh, she smells so good. Now, there's something different about her. What is it that I see and I feel and I sense from her that is so different? It's the sweet aroma of Christ. And I tell you what, as Christians choose to do this in today's culture, they really begin to stand out because culture is moving so much in a different direction today that difference begins to stand out in a beautiful way that if you stand for grace and truth and love in a really beautiful way, it begins to really stand out. It begins to provide this contrast. I was talking to a gentleman here in this church last week who's a businessman in our community and he was sitting down with someone trying to provide some financial advice to her, helping her through a challenge that she was going through. And the gravity of it all started to mount up in her mind and she started to weep as he was talking. And he had in that moment a choice. I can either pile on more information or I can pause and pray for her. And so he pauses and he says to her, uh, we're going to keep talking about this and I am with you in this, but this is pretty intense and I think we should pray about this. Would that be okay? And she said, yeah, that would be fine. And he prayed for her and she wept. And then she said, you know, outside of my pastor, Nobody has ever done that for me. Mm. That's the fragrance of Christ. It's mysterious and it's beautiful. And you, you hear it and you feel it and you, you say, wow, I'd like to know what they have. I'd like a little bit more of that in my life as well because it's so different. Here's what it would look like if we became the fragrance of Christ in our families in the experience of our own lives in terms of our relationship with God and to our communities as well. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, famous passage, puts it this way. And again, this will be the basis of our next nine weeks together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but that's the life that I want to live. Like, that's the most beautiful description. I hear you over here, sister. That's the most <laughs> beautiful description of the kind of life that we want to live, that we would be these people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. And, and my, my friends, here's the reality. We can be that. We actually can be that as we dwell with Christ, not on our own, but as we dwell with Christ, as we enjoy him, as we spend time with the Spirit of God in his presence on a daily basis, we can enjoy that kind of beautiful life. Hallelujah. And then yet at the same time, if we are that kind of life, if we are those kinds of people, isn't that different? It's mysterious, it's beautiful, it's inviting, it welcomes people in. People say, wow, I'd like to know a little bit more of what that woman is cooking. Justine, how do we start moving towards this as a church? Well, we knew from the beginning that we wanted to start with praying, and we have to start with praying. We need God's help in this, and we want him to be front and center and to really take the charge. But if you're anything like me, laying a foundation of prayer, it's pretty easy for it to get lost in the middle of our busy schedules, our full schedules. So we have created an easy tool for you today that you can go home with. You can grab them all throughout the lobby when you leave and also at our Sunday to Everyday wall. We just invite you to put it somewhere prominent over the next three weeks. So maybe that's carrying it in your wallet where you'll see it every day or putting it on your mirror, whatever that might be. And together, we just want to ask God for these three things. So first, we're going to say, God, make me aware. We want him to cause us to pause and to look up and to not only see the people who are in front of us, but then have eyes to see the needs of those who are around us. Second, we want to say, God, give us hearts of compassion and of genuine care. Soften our hearts um, for the person that he has just shown us. Finally, we'll end the three weeks together with the prayer of God, make us bold. We're going to need courage, and we're going to need his strength to then take action. At the end of the three weeks, we'll come back together, and we're going to put some feet to this. We're going to put some stakes in the ground. At that point, we'll give you tools, but for right now, this is exactly where we want to start. We want to start by praying, and we want to start with just this willingness to see, okay, God, how might you change me, and then how might you work in, and how might you um, work through me? So yeah, Thanks. that's where we're starting. I love the simplicity of that. I don't know about you, but just simple prayers on an everyday basis. God, make me aware. God, soften my heart. God, make me bold. And part of what's so great about this is you put this in, in your phone case. That's where I have mine. You put it in your wallet or on your dashboard, whatever it might be. And I think what it can do if we begin praying that way is it can prevent us from segmenting our lives. You know what I mean? You know how we have this tendency naturally to kind of segment our lives into spiritual sections and non-spiritual sections? Like you go to church on Sunday morning and that's a spiritual section. You go to work on Monday morning and that's a secular section. You go to Wednesday evening, whatever, and that's a spiritual section. You go to uh, Friday evening and there's a secular section. But we don't want that. What we want is to integrate our lives, as God would invite us to, that we integrate our lives across the board, across uh, Sunday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. We have a life that is integrated as we seek to follow Christ. Yeah. Justine, the simplest way you can tell us, well, what's the goal for this initiative? If we're successful, yeah. what does it look like? Yeah, so our goal is to love the one. 
We want to connect with our neighbors, our coworkers, maybe the person who cuts our hair or who delivers our mail, whoever that might be. And we want to pursue genuine friendships with that person. Um, and they maybe would need to know Christ or maybe they just need to know that they are loved and that they're valued and that they're seen. In Jeremiah 29.7, it says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Another version, I love this, it says, Pursue the well-being of the city. And to Adrian's point earlier, I mean, let's just pause for a second and acknowledge the context in which these passages come to us. So if you know anything, so the Israelites have been sent into exile. They are in Babylon. If you know anything about the Babylonians, they would have been outwardly sinning and probably pretty unapologetically. It was right in front of their faces. So God could have said, retreat, don't look at them, create your own Christian markets, don't go to theirs. He could have said that. Or he could have said, fight them, show up and tell them how wrong they are and how right you are. But graciously, that's not God's heart. His heart is for us to pursue the well-being of the city. And I don't know about you, but if there's a rallying cry that we as the church can get around today, that's it. This is the gospel. It's just showing up and pursuing the well-being of our city. A couple of verses before, he says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and harvest the produce. This is mundane. This is everyday things that we are doing that he's saying, as you are living your normal life, you, I mean, we're pursuing the well-being. We're pursuing the welfare of the people who are right in front of us. I love that. So let's go at it. Let's start small, and let's start soon. Please hear me. This is not something that we're saying, you got to do big things, change your schedule, change your lifestyle. That's not this. Take what you are already doing throughout your everyday and just put some intention and some purpose to it. And then also, don't go at it alone. Here's the deal. If you're naturally more shy, or if you're an introvert, or if you're not a natural conversationalist, that's okay. Grab your extroverted, talkative friend. Ask them to do this with you. That's perfect. And then also, we always want to be coming back to why are we doing this. God loves us so extravagantly, so we get to love others extravagantly. We are doing this ultimately for the glory of God, and then we're also doing this for the good of others. You know, Adrian, I believe that if we, if we really get this, if we really start to live this, I, I know it can have an eternal impact on our communities. Yeah. Huh. Thank you for your leadership to this yeah. point. Yeah. As I've been processing through this over the past weeks and kind of preparing for today, um, I have to confess that when we first decided on going from Sunday to every day, I, I felt like, well, this is going to be such a huge shift for our church, yep. fa for our church family. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure it'll be as big a shift as I thought. Yeah. Because especially a few weeks ago during the baptism testimonies, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but it was really interesting to me, out of 12 baptism testimonies, several of them were really about how someone next to them in the pew, someone next to them in the seat, made a difference in their lives spiritually when they were not following Christ. And because that person chose to invest in their lives, they eventually became a follower of Christ and they made this decision to, to be baptized. There's one story that really struck me. It's from a woman named Liz Klingelhofer. And uh, it was about a year ago that Liz 
and her husband Adam went through a very difficult season as Adam was diagnosed with West Nile disease and uh, he was debilitated by it. And Liz was processing through all of that and she went to the person that she knew was a loving person near to her, her co-worker who happened to be her boss, Nick Norton. And Nick is a member in our church and he's a lawyer in town. And uh, Liz begins talking with Nick about all that she's going through, and Nick begins to care for her and for Adam, her husband, just by ministering to her in simple, everyday ways. And in time, Liz begins to get to know Nick's wife, Nicole, and she develops a friendship with Nicole such that when she's going through dark times because Adam is struggling so much, and they've been together dating each other for eight or nine years at at this point, Uh, Liz calls up her friend Nicole and Nicole gives her some Bible verses that she's been meditating on as she's gone through difficult times herself and she encourages Liz to begin meditating on those and uh, she doesn't call up Justine. Mm -hmm. She doesn't call up me. She doesn't call up Pastor Scott or one of the other pastors on our team. She calls up her friend Nicole. And then you fast forward a bit, eventually they decide to give their lives over to Christ, and it was through another member in this church that they give their lives over to Christ. And they make the choice that they're going to get married. And so Pastor Brian meets with them for a few sessions, but so do Nick and Nicole, who have kind of become pastors to them as they're making this new spiritual leap into a new life. And when it became time, six or eight months ago, for them to be married, again, they didn't come to me. They didn't go to Pastor Brian. They went to their spiritual advisors who had been with them along the way on an everyday basis named Nick and Nicole Norton. And Nick did their wedding several months ago. It's fascinating to me because Nick is a lawyer. (laughs) Not because he's a lawyer. I'm not bashing lawyers. So I could. But I won't. Insert lawyer jokes. Okay, stop. Come on back. It's fascinating to me because, I mean, Nick is like really busy. Nicole is full time employer. She has three kids. They're really busy. Why did they choose to allow themselves to be interrupted like that? Because people matter for eternity. People matter the most. You matter and I matter and every person that we meet matters so much to God. And as a result, they matter so much to us so we would allow ourselves to be interrupted for the cause of Christ, for the expansion of his kingdom, for the glory of God, for the good of people. Mm -hmm. You see, the church in America so desperately needs stop coming to church and start being the church the church in America desperately needs keep coming to church keep coming to church (laughs) but stop just coming to church right to be the church together for this needy world around us now friends when you step out on mission it's going to be a step of faith but I want you to know you're not doing it on your own Look once more at Galatians 5, 22 and verse 25. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is not you. The 
fruit of the Spirit is not Adrian. The fruit of the Spirit is not Nick or Nicole. The fruit of the Spirit is not Jenny or Jimmy or Jonathan or anyone else. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It happens as we lean into the Spirit of God day in and day out and we say, God, make me aware. God, soften my heart. God, make me bold. I trust in you, Holy Spirit, to do what I couldn't do. And then it says, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, I, I love that visual. Keep in step with the Spirit. It's not you going out and getting ahead of the Holy Spirit. It's saying, Holy Spirit, use me today. And I will yield to you as you go ahead of me today because you, Holy Spirit, you actually dwell within me and you'll guide me to go on mission for your cause, for the expansion of your kingdom. Someone said it this way, that uh, leaning into the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is kind of like putting a sailboat out into the water, onto a lake, and then the sailboat's sails go up, but if it's a still quiet day, that sailboat goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is the wind that makes it go. All you do is bring the sailboat out. The Holy Spirit, God himself, makes you go. All we do is step out and say, yes, I will love my neighbor. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to connect with your neighbor. All we do is go, yeah, I will go out and serve those who have been affected by the floods. I will care for those who are hurting in my community, even those who I don't know. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to connect with that person and show them the love of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us from good deeds that we would do for our community to creating a good platform of goodwill with our community to eventually being the fragrance of Christ that can actually dispense of the good news to those who need it so much. And this is where we're going. From good deeds to goodwill to good news that the world around us, people who matter the most to God would be touched for time and for eternity. As a whole church, in our life groups, in our bilingual ministry, in our C20 ministry, in our youth, here on Sunday mornings, we're going to just talk about fruit for every day and apply it to our own lives and enjoy it. And then from time to time, we'll drip this in across this fall as we seek to live out this initiative together. Mm -hmm. Any questions? <laughs> Seeing none? Will you pray, Justine? Yep, I'd love to. <clears throat> Well, God, this is, this is where we want to start. Um, I just think back over the last couple of years and how we've just come back to you over and over again. And we've gotten ahead of you a couple of times, and then we come back to, okay, God, what, what do you have for us? Where are you leading us here? And um, over the next couple of weeks, God, we just want to, to come with open hands, willingness to say, God, this is, we're yours. This is your life. You have placed us in our towns, in our communities, at our workplaces, wherever, with purpose. You want to use us, God. And God, will you just settle in our hearts today this, this knowledge and this feeling of we are sent. You have, when we leave these doors, you have purpose for us. And so God, just nestle that into our hearts so that when we leave, we're ready to live on mission. God, go before us. Make us bold. Make us aware. Um, God, we want this to be a heart of genuine care, not of, um, I don't know, just 
we're just ready. We're here. We're willing. That's all. That's what we're coming with. Um, so, God, we just ask you to go over this. Go over this next three, three weeks. And then, God, as we come back together, when we're ready to take action, God, we want to, to come back knowing that you're leading the charge, that we're, we're just getting to join you in where you already are at work. That's what we're doing here. So, God, thank you. Thank you for today. And thank you for these people. And God, just um, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.